Welcome to Professor Forever. I am the Professor Forever. When I was in college, one time a few friends and I were out in Cincinnati, and one of the friends knew somebody who might be able to get us some cocaine. So we left a bar and we went to this person's house. He was an intimidating figure. He was very large, very dark. His house was very dark, like had dark furniture, if I remember correctly. And before he sold us the cocaine, he had us try it. And what he did was hold a little spoon out that had a small amount of cocaine on it to each one of us. And before we could snort it up, he would say, kiss the lady. We all laughed about that. He did not laugh. I didn't understand why he was doing that at the time. I have since thought about it, and I think I know. So this is part two of a two-part podcast about the drug cocaine. The first episode, which was the podcast previous to this, got crack was about cocaine in the form of crack and my challenges with it. This episode is about my use of cocaine, which occurred after I went to treatment because of crack. I had some years of complete sobriety after treatment, and then I fell in love, and this person liked to do cocaine, and so I did the proverbial falling off the wagon. I had thought, and I think I mentioned on the previous episode, that I was going to talk about treatment, because I stopped the episode got crack at going to treatment. However, I realized that I had a whole episode about treatment. It is number 50. 
So if you're interested, I think it's called A Saga Ends and Begins. So even that title is referencing the idea that I stopped one form of this drug, started on a new path, and then the other form of this drug came into my life. So if you're interested in hearing the story about what happened to me when I was at treatment, then you can listen to that episode, episode 50. So it's interesting when you're in treatment, they tell you that you, and for those of you in recovery, you know this too, they tell you that you have to change your friends because the friends that you've been hanging out with, or at least change your environment to a particular group of friends, a subset of friends, the ones that you party with. And I always thought at that time, because I was young, and if you know anything about me from listening to this podcast, I was not only pretty young, I was way younger than that emotionally because of my stunted emotional growth. So I always thought, well, that's so mean. Why, why do I need to take out this issue that I have, perhaps, with this substance? Why do I need to take it out on my friends by not being their friend anymore? But after having some time away from the drug and then falling for someone who also did the drug, I I had actually moved away from my friends and environment where I had fallen prey to crack, fallen victim to crack, become um, under the influence of crack. I had moved away after my stint in treatment. So I was around all new people. And you just never know when you meet somebody what their predilections or habits are. I tried for a while to resist going down that road. But I also felt like powder cocaine was different than crack cocaine. And in fact, it is. Um, you know, it's maybe more dangerous in some ways because it has additives in it that, you know, it gets cut with as it goes down the pipeline. But it's not as potent as crack cocaine. So I told myself the story that it would be all right if I devol you know, I dabbled in powder cocaine. Um, while I was dabbling, I happened to bring home some cocaine from a bar where I was hanging out with this person I was dating. And while I was sleeping, a dog belonging to the person who owned the house where I was staying, went through my 
stuff and found that bag of cocaine and actually took it out and brought it to their master, um, the person who was putting me up in their house. This did not go over very well with the person that found this cocaine, who was not a drug user and who had allowed me to stay in their house, not predicated, but leaning somewhat on the idea that I was not going to be a drug user anymore. So when the dog found out, and I still can't believe that to this day, that dog went through my stuff, sniffed out cocaine, and took it to its master. Maybe it had been a a rescue dog. Maybe in its previous life it had been a DEA dog. I don't know. But <laughs> uh, so I knew I had to get out of that place. And so I did. And I ended up moving to the city of Chicago and getting a job in the as a journalist in the film and commercial production industry. And so then it was industry cocaine. A lot of people in fields of creative endeavor, whether they be advertising, marketing, uh, video, uh, videography, camera work, you know, they work long hours and they have to be creative. So it's not unusual. And especially in the 90s, it was not unusual to find cocaine around Chicago. I had a friend who lived by me who also worked at the same magazine that I worked at. And so he was a very adorable, young, gay man. And we went to the gay bars in Chicago a lot. And little did I know that hanging out with him would be my hookup to sources where I could then get cocaine for many years to come. Um, it, you know, I have a lot of good memories from those times. As I've said before, I am a person who believes in freedom, freedom of behavior. As long as you're not hurting someone. So let's just say if you're in your house or you're in a, in a shared space with people and you know what you're doing and other people know what you're doing and no one is violent or emotionally abusive, I feel like you should be able to do whatever you want. I, I really do. This is, I'm going to take that stance, that controversial stance. I think that drugs should be legal. I might as well say that right now. I, I don't believe in a lot of nanny state laws, but I feel like if illicit drugs were made legal, then they would be much more monitored than they are now. There would be a way for people to, um, you know, regulate what goes on in a drug industry, um, put up more uh, 
whatever they want to, whatever kind of laws they want to put around it, they can have that go on a ballot and be approved by the people. But I just feel like, I guess I'm a libertarian. I feel like people should be able to do what they want as long as they don't hurt other people or have the capacity to hurt other people. So I had some good memories from those times. Many people were uh, hitting the nightlife like I was, and I certainly had a good time hanging out with that friend. So that introduced me to an area of Chicago, Boys Town, where I would go for many years to hook up with people and score and do this drug that I was doing. One time I was staying with a friend and her husband and I was spending the night in their house. I think something was going on with my apartment. I can't remember. Anyway, it was the summer and I wanted to go out and meet up with some of my friends in Boys Town. And so I snuck out of their house after we all went to bed and I left the door unlocked, but it was a very safe neighborhood that they lived in. But still, I did leave their door unlocked uh, because I was going to come back and I caught a bus and I went down to Boys Town and they lived kind of far away from Boys Town. And I hooked up with one of my friends that uh, sold cocaine at the time and I was partying a lot and then I fell off. I was laughing and I fell backwards on a chair in the bar. And when I fell backwards, my feet flew up in the air and the bartender saw that I had no shoes on. <laughs> so I had forgotten to put shoes on. It was a nice summer night. And uh, so then I had to get thrown out of the bar. And so I had to take the bus with bare feet. And I'm glad they didn't notice that I had bare feet. I don't know if you're allowed to ride a bus, a city bus with no shoes on, but I was able to make my way back to that house, sneak in, lock the door behind me. And I remember when I got to the spare bedroom and I laid down their cat, um, who was kind of a mean cat. Uh, and she, I was very allergic to cats. And I have been going through a series of shots for many years now to allow me to have cats. But at that time, I wasn't on that train. And so that cat would make me sick, like be hard to breathe and congested. And she knew what I had done to her masters. So she got on top of me on that bed and got really close to my face and put her claws out in case I would try to move her. I'll never forget that. I felt like she was somehow making me pay for that behavior. Um, I remember during those years, another friend of mine, who was the caretaker of a graveyard, I'm sure I mentioned him before in the podcast, Digger, he actually sent away for switchblade parts because you can't buy a switchblade um, straight up. Uh, you have to put them together if you want to have one. Uh, he sent away for parts and he built me a switchblade. And he said, here, little girl, I want you to have this because you're always hanging out late at night. And he was right. 
I was hanging out late at night and going out a lot on my own. I didn't have a pet. I didn't have a plant. I didn't have a partner. So it was all my own decision. Um, I suppose that what I'm going to say now might be a surprise for some, but I have been treated worse overall by people who did not do drugs but knew I was doing drugs. People would try to hurt me by telling others of my behavior. I've never understood that. I'm not a person who judges people as a rule. I I made this rule up in my own moral decision board and said, I'm not going to judge other people. And so I, I don't try to hurt people and judge them on their behavior. But that happened to me when I was doing cocaine in the 90s. I mean, I had said that I had gotten ripped off a couple of times with drugs, and that is true. But besides that, I was never harmed by anybody that I dealt with. And actually, I had one dealer who treated me like a sister. He would tell me when I should stop. He would stop me from buying more than I should have been doing at one time. He would take me with him around to very chic clubs in Chicago. And he was much younger than I was. And you know me, I'm yeah, I'm like this dowdy, overly emotional, kind of crazy, especially on this drug, kind of crazy, out there, wild woman. And he was reserved and very um, persnickety about his dress. But he would take me with him. Uh, out to clubs and, you know, he wanted to spend time with me. He called me merry-go-lucky. I always chuckle when I think about that. He was Hispanic and English was his second language. So instead of calling me happy-go-lucky, he called me merry-go-lucky. And you know, he's right. I am a merry-go-lucky person. I was a merry-go-lucky person then, and I'm a merry-go-lucky person now. Things got a little intense, um, you know, with performing a lot. I started to do probably more cocaine than anyone should do. I have a strong constitution. I remember one time somebody saying to me, you have the heart of a bull. Well, I guess he was right because I survived that time. And that era ended when it should have. It ended when I left Chicago. There were a few times after I left Chicago that, you know, I may have tried it here and there when somebody had it. But the shine for that behavior, for that habit, had dulled itself. It had passed its time, and it was over. 
So moving away from Chicago essentially ended my cocaine era. You know, most topics addressed by the majority of people in society are colored in general terms. As humans, we have to do that, right? We make split decisions, split decision judgments on things we see. And so many people would see or agree or say that I have a controversial viewpoint when it comes to drugs, saying that I think they should be legalized. And I think that people who are adults can be the captains of their own fate. And I understand why people want to have sensual feelings that they have when they alter themselves. So I guess illicit drug use as a behavior is something that is looked down upon by the majority of people, at least in America. And alcohol use is sanctioned. I know lots of people who have been hurt and who have hurt other people, including killing other people by using the legal drug, alcohol. Nothing is as black and white as it seems. If you are a black and white thinker, maybe mull that over a little bit. So, back to the story about the man who said, kiss the lady. To me, what that man was saying was, respect this. This is a drug. It's going to alter your behavior. Do not take this lightly. Think of what you're doing. If you decide that you want to do this, that's up to you. But respect what you're doing and go into it with thought. Don't make this a trivial event. And I think that's a really good lesson. I think that's what I came to understand about drugs and toxins, and poisons, and all kinds of behaviors. You see, the law is outside of us. And like the Marquis de Sade once said, crime is a context of time and location. It's true. Now, certainly there are some laws that absolutely, at least in my opinion, should be there. But there are some that are just for a time period. And maybe we should have a little bit more freedom when it comes to what we put into our bodies. As long as, and this is my rule that I will not ever dilute, as long as you don't hurt someone else. Do you know people in your life who do drugs because they feel good? Are they good people? 
Do they use those drugs in a responsible way? Do they just want to alter themselves for a little bit of escape from reality? Do they use it to pick up their creativity? Do they do it in their backyard? Do you know people who have hurt people by using legalized substances like alcohol? Think about that. How that's a great example of how crime can be changed for context and time, right? There was a time when alcohol was illegal. Now it's legal. But many people are hurt by its being legal. And I also believe many people, many less people would be hurt if other drugs were legalized and people had to make up their own mind and weigh the consequences of what would happen in a system that would be monitoring drug use better. Just my ramblings of an old mind. I hope you're well today. I hope you're not sweltering in the heat. I appreciate you so much for being there and let me ramble off these theories. Theories of an old hippie, I guess. Thanks for listening. Keep thinking. She's got no lessons planned for me Because she's not that fancy She's a professor forever